Welcome to Radio Life Ray, episode 4. I'm just back from LA, from the West Coast Symposium, and I've taken the opportunity to meet with a few people there in the office. My apologies for the echo that we have in that room, in the room that we recorded. You'll soon hear it, but actually the content is well worth it, in my opinion. So without further ado, uh, let's go right into the episode. Okay, so... Uh, this is the first time Radio Life Ray, first time in person. Uh, I'm here at the uh, Life Ray LA office, and with me is Ray Auger. We both are guests here, so hello, Ray. How are you? I'm fine. Hope you're well too. Very well, very well. So it's just a, uh, yeah, just after the West Coast Symposium, and well, we've taken the opportunity to take a recording without Skype, and it's actually quite nice to sit just in front of you. So you're Ray Auger, but uh, well, wh what else? Who are you? Uh, what what can you say about yourself? Uh, what are you doing here? And uh, well, how did you find LifeRay, or how did LifeRay find you? So um, yeah, as you said, I'm I'm Raymond Auger. I'm a, a Canadian uh, country boy, married with children, uh, living in uh, northern Ontario near the north shore of Lake Huron. So. Uh, in the land of lakes, as they say, uh, far away from the big technology centers. Uh, so I, I enjoy that. We, you know, uh, as far as um, the types of things that we do for fun is like canoeing or camping and so on. But uh, yeah, I have two boys, and and that's yeah, that's me. Sounds good. Um, you obviously have internet there. Yeah, um, we have the so internet. So it's not that far from technology. Um, well, you can get close to technology, um, and well, you you obviously make well uh, make good use of the internet. Yeah. So uh, I mean, without internet, I can't do my job. But uh, surprisingly enough, I'm only on about a one megabit connection, which is well, uh, pretty uh, archaic in in this day and age. Mm -hmm. uh, not even as fast as uh, what you get in. Uh, in, on a, on a, on a uh, smartphone in a city, most cities these days. So, yeah, I, I, we use it quite a bit, and uh, uh, it has been it has come up several times as the question of whether we should move some to some other location or not, uh, which seems fickle. But uh, <laughs> just because of the internet connection, <laughs> just because of the internet connection, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're one of the, the very well-visible guys in LifeRay, uh, visible on the forums, on IRC, on like wherever you can come across LifeRay, one, one finds you uh, being there, being active, being available, answering questions, uh, doing stuff. Uh, well, uh, well, let's start first with how did you come to work for LifeRay or with LifeRay, um, who found whom, uh, and how did it continue since then? So... <clears throat> I uh, graduated from university 2004 and uh, uh, was fortunate enough to be hired by the university to to uh, manage or I suppose to be the technical uh, person doing e-learning uh, at the university, setting up all the accounts and doing the uh, faculty trainings and the student trainings and, and all of this work around building up an e-learning presence for the university. So at some point it came up that, uh, you know, uh, several months into my, my work there that uh, I would be working on a student portal. And the, 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 the limitations or the restrictions or the, the criteria I had to, to work with were, uh, you know, uh, not more than 15 hours a week and no budget. So... That obviously meant to look into open source, which I was already familiar with from, from my studies. I had uh, focused primarily on, on open source type of uh, stuff during my, uh, my uh, university uh, uh, years, my university education. So uh, I look, started to look around, and uh, uh, my education is in Java, so I naturally wanted to go with something that was Java because it was the most, uh, you know, my most... Uh, known language at the time and still is uh, ended up actually 
reviewing LifeRay, JBoss, Vignette, some of the other uh, lesser-known uh, Java portals, and, and, and even comparing them to other things like PHP Nuke or .NET Nuke, or, and, and then actually made the choice to go with JBoss Portal. But one last-minute spur of, I guess, uh, uh, some intuition made me look at LifeRay one last time on the the last day of choosing, and and, and I finally decided to go with LifeRay. So um, I ended up starting with LifeRay, uh, building some portlets, doing some work, uh, just diving right in, basically, and 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 finding very quickly that. Um, it was a really amazing piece of software even back then. And I was uh, massively in love with XML and XSLT processing, which was at the time what the LifeRay CMS was, was built on, was mm-hmm. uh, all the web content was all XSLT processed. And uh, that, to me, uh, felt like just a, a, a beautiful you know, piece of code, a beautiful way of dealing with dynamic content and so on and creating dynamic content. And uh, so, yeah, I, I that was my first love. We speak about 2004, 2005 here, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, beyond that, I started participating in the, in the online and the SourceForge mailing list associated with the project. And... Uh, the team on like at LifeRay wasn't very big back then. Back then, it was uh, I think four or five people at the most. And so when I was going onto the SourceForge mailing list and talking to people, it was like Brian Chan responding and Mike Young responding and, and uh, Brian Kim and so on. So I was you know getting the big names and talking to the founders directly. Uh, I started to implement some customizations to the portal and contributing them back. Uh, you know, uh, offering the contributor them back, and uh, so I think one of the first things that that I worked on was uh, localization of content, which was a requirement for the university that was at, which was uh, a bilingual university. So that was Canadian, right? yeah, it was yeah, Canadian University, Laurentian University. So that mm-hmm. was uh, important uh, requirement, and uh, yeah, it just evolved from there. More contributions that got accepted and and really when my contributions were accepted uh it definitely you know gave me uh some uh you know made me feel good about continuing to want to do that and and it built up my my desire to to continue participating in it and and, uh obviously increase my love for the product because now it's not just someone else's product Mm -hmm. that i'm using it's a product that I, I've given back to, and I'm using my my own, you know, and others and my own uh, uh, work of our of my hands, you know. So that that's definitely uh, something that uh, excited me early on. And uh, shortly after, within the next several months, um, some through some series of things that were going on in my life and at work where I was uh, at the time ended up uh, contacting Brian Chan and, and sending him my CV my, my resume to see if they were interested or looking for developers that you know uh, and oddly enough I mean it took my wife three or four days to convince me to actually send a CV to Brian and she, uh, so uh, when I did, you know, it was with, uh, you know, uh, what's the worst that can happen? You know, mm-hmm. reject me and I'll just keep going or keep developing. And, and uh, uh, to me, surprisingly enough, he responded and was interested in, in, you know, working together. So that's pretty much how I started. So I, I found LifeRay and uh, made some community contributions and eventually just they, they found it you know uh, you know useful for them to hire me to, to continue working on the product so mm-hmm. yeah. okay sounds good and uh, well you're working on quite a few topics 
I couldn't name a single one where I wouldn't believe you are somehow involved in. Uh, there's probably a few ones, but um, well, you kind of make the impression or give the impression that you know about like whatever somebody asks, you have some answer to that. Um, so at least you have set through the the decisions and been in the engineering meetings and so on and, and are quite helpful. Um, that makes it difficult to, to determine what's your main area of work, uh, not of knowledge, but what do you actually do uh, of that? So it's interesting. Early on, when uh, even in those early days when uh, um, I started working on the, uh, the WCM component, in life and making those small changes just as a community member and when I first got hired I remember Brian telling me uh, all right uh, Ray this CMS is yours the WCM is yours mm -hmm. this this you're gonna be in, in the lead for that and we're just gonna pass all that info uh, you know uh, we want you to have that responsibility so I guess you can say that that would be the primary area uh, where I focus my attention. Um, over the last several years, uh, that has expanded out from WCM, which involved you know several other scenarios such as content sharing between organizations and communities and all of this stuff where WCM is important and, and, and it started to go into uh, permissions beyond that, you know becoming, Advancing the WCM became a function of improving something like permissions. Mm -hmm. So when that became started to me become a, 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 a severe limitation or a concern, I just decided, well, we need to do something about permissions. We need to evolve that into something more useful. And, and so I just took it upon myself to do some prototyping and some implementations and then submitted it to Brian and and he ended up just uh, reviewing it and then over a short shortish period of time we we analyzed that and and and, and validated that it was a, a useful prototype and that we should actually go ahead with it and so that at that time again our team was still fairly small so it kind of became a handoff at that point of Permissions are now kind of something that I would also take on as uh, not necessarily as as if I be the be the only or primary on it, but just I would focus. That would be my second focus, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it evolved from there. From there, it became okay. Now, WCM is my focus for the permission is, issue is fixed. Now, what now? What what is another limitation <laughs> so, so of WCM? So essentially, everything I've worked on has been an extension of advancing WCM further and further and, and, and then just, you know, reaching boundaries of other features of the portal and then pushing past those boundaries into those features. And so I've touched everything from, you know, uh, CMS and document repositories to the asset APIs and uh, implementing, you know, a service builder uh uh, all the staging uh, mechanisms all were ev evolved from, you know, extensions to WCM. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know how what how can we how can we design staging environment? What does that mean? So now now staging and import and export is also something that uh, is kind of associated with me. I implemented the import export framework originally, and 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 still probably am am the primary on that. So, yeah, it, again, it's just a factor of taking WCM to the next level and it, it just bleeding into every other, all other aspects of the portal. So that's, that's kind of why I've been everywhere. And I haven't seen everything, but I've, I've, I've touched a lot of things. And it, again, it's just many years trying to improve the product and, and you know, getting a glimpse into everything. And LifeRay has... Uh, another factor that involves me having seen a lot of things, I guess, or having my name in a lot of places is just a matter of we are shorthanded. We need to get releases out. Mm -hmm. uh, may not necessarily be my part of the portal, but, you know, there's something wrong with workflow or and there's just no 
person able to to cover that now so now you start digging into it a feature that you're not used to and yeah you know make some fixes and try to understand that and and get understanding and in, into in, in the various different aspects so yeah over the years there's not something i haven't touched uh, you know even to the point where now i think search is probably another area where although that was originally bruno for uh, ferrace from brazil who who implemented the first real search apis that we had he's now managing brazil so it kind of shifted over to me and i've you know i've done more recently faceted search and so on uh so so that meant a lot of api changes so now again my name goes into the code but i wasn't really the originator there it just kind of landed on my plate and, mm-hmm. and 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 so on so well with uh the demos that i've seen for faceted search uh it seems really like you have kind of inherited that uh, right <laughs> But then, well, I, I don't see who, who else is involved with that or, or with the evolution of that feature. But, uh, yeah, so it truly sounds like you didn't only sit through something, but, but actually did quite a lot in there. So, yeah, well, yeah. best and way to get, gain knowledge in that. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I, my best learning methodology is to just forcibly inspect the code and jump through it and... Uh, you know, learn from the patterns. Uh, that's one of the things that's really helped me to be able to quickly probe deeply into new features is the fact that we're using the same design patterns throughout the product and, you know, the service builder generation and so on. So all these technical uh, 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 methodologies that we use have over the years allowed me to just quickly assimilate all of this different information and I have this odd ability to remember useless facts that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know I, I remember IP addresses much better than I remember uh, uh, people's names or class names for instance you know so uh, it's just an affinity for me so it's not uh, really uh, something that uh, I've, I've deliberately tried to I mean yeah it's just something that I guess is natural that I remember technical details and I, I really enjoy sharing. And, and the reason that you might see me a lot in message boards and IRC and, and email and, and, and blogging. And I really like to disseminate the information that I have because uh, to me, uh, not doing that is a real, uh, you know, it's a real uh, uh, selfish, you know, behavior to not, disseminate the information that we have is is an injustice really to, to to the whole process you know especially considering we're in the open source world uh we're, we're we are developing an open source product we have a, a uh we have a, some uh really strong ethics here in the company and 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 uh, i take it to heart and i really uh, i don't want people to get the impression that you know i'm, I'm trying to Uh, expose myself deliberately to make my uh, build up my character or, or, or to make myself uh, uh, you know out to be uh, a grandiose or, or in any way I just really enjoy mentoring others and sharing the information that I have so yeah I would say you succeed quite well in that I think um, let's jump on well some of the features or one of the features that you did like Do an example of that. Uh, you mentioned that you did quite a lot in staging recently. And having been at WCS recently, we've seen a demo of that. Um, and that's uh, quite some difference. I've been in Portal Admin training one day before that we demoed staging in 6.0, uh, which has this uh, weird uh, red or yellow border signaling that you're either in production or in staging, and I can never remember which is which. Uh, so speaking about UI issues there, um, it's been a blast to see the new interface. Yeah, uh, I think the the reason why that's so improved is because I haven't been allowed to touch the interface. <laughs> <laughs> If there's one area that uh, uh, of LifeRay where I, I may have touched over the years, but uh, slowly over time you will see less and less and less of my code is in the UI design. Uh, I'm a horrible UI designer. And so as far as what you'll see 
in the, the, the new versions of the products, when it comes to UI improvements, it's it's completely zero Ray OJ code. So, so it's inadvertent language issue. I kind of inadvertently insulted you with the UI issue there. <laughs> no, no, that's fully uh, understood. I mean, uh, if you're if 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 you're at all familiar with the portal and you remember the old structure designer, I mean, that was the kind of UI work that I did. You know, completely unintuitive mm -hmm. or or the old localization of web content. Mm -hmm. pattern uh, I originally implemented that and I mean it was a bane of uh, all of our uh, support team's existence for probably the last four or five years mm -hmm. and uh, so my UIs are generally pretty horrible um, so in staging re in what we've done in staging recently is I implemented uh, the back end which effectively allowed us to do Uh, more or less like a VCS, a version uh, control system for the, the structure of the site. So you can have multiple concurrent versions of the site being worked on you know, at the same time by multiple teams um, and, and, and being able to, uh, in a... In a, 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 a do a merge but not a, not a true merge but more of an aggregation of changes across branches uh, across a different uh, 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 what, what are we calling them now the term, terminology has changed over the last couple iterations but uh, uh, we're calling them variations site variations so doing things like uh, merging changes across site variations uh, creating duplicates of existing site variations so that you can start from from some existing implementation and, and go and carry on from there uh, mm -hmm. being able to publish them ad hoc or on schedule uh, and then flip you know between the different site variations um, so you can so teams can prepare their their work months or weeks ahead of time as opposed to trying to have everything ready and then immediately publish that and then have to you know, do a whole bunch of work to make a change in the staging side to, to publish for the next version. So uh, then all the UI, I, I provided initially a UI that was just a, a functional representation of the features of that. And then that was taken by our design team. Uh, the Spanish office, uh, Julio Camarero, actually is, is the one who did most of the refactoring of the UI to make it most user-friendly. And then... Uh, 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 some of our UI designers here in Los Angeles, like Aaron Delaney, and uh, took though took from there and then made it beautiful. So all of the beauty that you see in the UI is, is completely uh, the the UI engineers at LifeRay. So I, I had no part in that. Uh, really, you know, the the only part I had to do with was the back end and just implementing the actual feature itself. So, but well. To me, that sounds familiar. Coming from a background of software development, I always said that yeah, I'm able to make things work, but if you want them to be pretty, uh, have somebody else do them. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, LifeRay is now uh, luckily in the position to actually have a UI team, and that makes quite some difference. It does, yeah. And I think that's generally what you're getting more and more of as, as we evolve our versions. We are adding features, but really the main feature we're adding is the ability to, to have a useful user interface. We've always had a lot of uh, excellent features with a not-so-great user interface on top of it. So, yeah, as, yeah. as we're polishing that out, it's definitely been making the product look more and more mature and, and professional all the time. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a big help. Yeah, it's a lot more than just getting the work done. That's right. Yeah. Um. Thinking about more in, in staging there, well, um, I think just the, uh, it's been quite impressive uh, what, what has been, what has obviously been, been covered by staging, like seeing uh, demoed uh, different versions, like uh, what was that, the holiday season, Christmas, uh, Valentine, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that affected a lot more than just the the content. And I'm not really aware uh, if, for example, the theme was already uh, part of the old staging that we had. Uh, actually, I've never used 
any staging for the theme? Has that been in there forever? It's, that's been there, uh, yeah, forever uh, uh, since the beginning. But yeah, we we definitely wanted to make sure that those elements were still existed in in the different versions of of the site. So okay. that's that was the primary thing that we demonstrated. So it was it's it's easy to make a very visual change use uh, applying different themes. So yeah, yeah. and it's quite quite a catchy thing to be able to uh, prepare the holiday season and the, the next production release uh, exactly uh, new like product uh, marketing time, yeah. campaigns and, and so on so we hope it, it'll be very useful for for you know those big design teams that have a lot of content um, the, 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 that feature was actually prototyped by Sesame Street uh, uh, and they used it on their site they use it still to this day on their Sesame Street Uh, .org website and uh, that the they still use the original implementation that we, we made for them uh, that they commissioned which eventually the, they donated to LifeRay and then we repackaged now into the, the new 6.1 version uh, highly modified from what they had but they were the pioneers that, that drove that entire project so uh, you know they should be proud of that and um so they have effectively a team of something like 30 or 40 content developers that are not uh, uh, programmers in any sense. They're just content creators and they can, without having uh, an intensely technical background, um, multiple different iterations of, of their site that they can just publish on a daily basis even. They can publish new content and... And, and then prepare campaigns with special, you know, spe uh, several special different parts of the site and, and quickly iterate through designs and, and not be, you know, uh, not be uh, stuck against uh, an IT wall where, where whenever you want a new staging server, it's, it's a complete reproduction of, of, of uh, you know, databases and, and, and app servers and, and, or websites and all the resources associated with that. It's much easier for them to, to iterate through. They, they're not, again, they're not tied back by any IT limitations. They just blaze forward and allows them to innovate very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as far as I understand, they do publish a new site every day, right? That's right, yeah. It's like today it's the letter A day, tomorrow right. it's something different day, new topic, new theme for them. Yeah, and that's that's all done through the life race staging mechanism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, another thing that uh, just rang a bell when you said uh, in the beginning, life ray content management was a lot of XML, XSL publishing, and uh, nowadays that's a lot less of that. Uh, at least it's well well hidden behind the um, uh, behind the. How do you say that? I'm learning English. One word every episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's well hidden behind the stages, no curtain behind. Well, this behind the, something. The well. services or yeah. the tiers. Yeah, um, it's not as widely used. It is used. It is used more in those houses, those software houses that still have XSL as an expertise. Um, there's not a real reason to to change to some other templating language because that's what it was it was a templating language for processing the, the, the web content um, because web contents are stored in an XML format themselves it's a natural it's a natural way to quickly uh, process that information and, and do something you know intelligent with it um, so there are still there's still uh, clients and in, in houses out there that are, are, are using XSLT parsing especially where they have a higher expertise in XSLT so Uh, it's still it's still used and, and I still have to show examples every once in a while of how to how, to, how that can be useful um, but it just seems that velocity in particular seems to be uh, a quick language to be able to you know assimilate or to learn so developers quickly learn velocity and so they can achieve uh, you know something usable much more quickly than having to you know dig into the bowels of XSLT, which can, you know, at time feels like a, a, a very large hill to climb where, so velocity, <laughs> velocity and, and, uh, and, uh, free marker, 
tend to be much more widely used. I would, if, if I were to rank them, it would definitely be Velocity, then FreeMarker, then XSLT, and that, that order. So, mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. yeah I, I frequently point people to one of your blog articles that you did, uh, actually following a Life Ray Life presentation that you did about content, uh, content management, the system there, the templating system, Velocity, um, to actually show that the templating system, uh, I don't know, I name it, is Turing complete. Um, so you can do whatever you want with that. You can do Ajax, you can do like all kinds of stuff that I never even imagined being just possible in, in just writing some web content. Um, and you even came up with a name that just escapes me right now for, for such a kind of plugin there, uh, the, the templates. Uh, WRAD? Was it? Was it? Uh, it was kind of. A, I think it was kind of a pun on on software, hardware, uh, so something being soft, right, plugin without deployment, something like that. So I, I remember the term, but it's escaping me right how, now. Uh, how did you come to that? Like that's that's a weird idea to to have uh, content actually answer to AJAX calls and uh, we'll use the API that way. It's quite flexible. And so that actually, I, I started implementing that way back when uh, I was, uh, bef before being with LifeRay, when I was working on the university project that I was that I was trying to build a student portal for. And knowing that being able to quickly iterate through software requirements is definitely something that even as a early on as a programmer you you try and look at ways to to achieve your goals more quickly and uh, being able to the the typical scenario in software development is you 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 even what even in with plugin development with liferay uh, you you write code and then you deploy it and and often that involves taking down a running server Uh, deploying a plugin or whatnot, and then bringing a server back up, so you have some downtime, and and then if you're pr pr proceeding through several iterations of that process, uh, it's not something that you can necessarily do when a service is in production already. Uh, you kind of have to iterate through several designs uh, and then get through to some uh, stage of stability before you deploy that into production. Whereas with, with content-driven application, with content, I, I don't know, uh, there, that, that, the term now that you're, you're referring to is escaping me. Let's just call it content-driven applications, which kind of seems odd. Um, you can iterate within a production server and actually use the same workflows that are used for, for content development for your application development. So, uh, for instance, with staging, when you design applications through the WCM, you can actually build them in staging and version them and, and, and send them through a workflow where they're, they're, uh, they're reviewed and processed uh, and go through QA and, or, or, you know, and, and, uh, and then eventually can be published Uh, into the live side or your production side, whereas that if that's code, you can't do that in the same running instance. You know, you can't have the two different versions uh, in the traditional you know uh, server server model. Anyways, you can't have two different versions of the same plugin running in the same server. So, to me, it was just like a way to get around that limitation. So I just started to dig into it and 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 actually added. Most of the features to LifeRate to enable it to do that, uh, there's no reason why Velocity or, or, or FreeMarker or XSL can't do request handling, which is the, the, the basis for being able to do all these interactions and AJAX and whatnot. And then extending from that, being able to use the entire portlet lifecycle from within a web content, which is where it comes into doing Uh, resource requests so you can do Ajax and so on it's just a natural extension because the web the, uh, web content in that particular scenario just become, becomes the code being invoked as opposed to some static code and and, 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 and 
it, it just evolved from there. Being able, the desire to being able to iterate quickly through your application, um, you know, uh, that's where it comes from. So, it's I find it very useful. Uh, we, I try and encourage people to 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 develop that way where it's uh, where it's um, going to. Imp- there, there's obviously what I'm trying to say is there's some places where you wouldn't want to do that where it's highly intense performance, uh, you know, uh, uh, considerations to be made. But when you're you're trying to get to applications quickly, or uh, then it's definitely a useful way to proceed. Yeah. And really comes around the limitation to otherwise have to have a different system to exactly. test a new version and so on. And then that's you right. publish your content and need the same version of the new plugin and so right. on. So that's also one of the problems that we typically have in describing or... or uh, well, telling people, uh, teaching students and trainings that well, staging is okay for content, but not for applications because it's the plugins are uh, well need to be the versions that you're actually staging, and they're not affected by staging at all. Right. So the application server is kind of outside of the game of staging. Exactly. Uh, with this uh, spec, and still, it's kind of a weird idea. So I'm still wondering, like, hey, how, how can you how can you come up with that idea? Uh, well, obviously you can. <laughs> I'm still uh, still blown away by that. Um, so quite a good idea. Um, I think the last topic is is one thing that I'm curious to know about that's not yet in the product. Um, sadly, not yet in the product, but uh, well, it seems to be um, somewhere on the roadmap. And it's uh, uh, for one point of view, it's a purely technical one. And you're already nodding, so you probably you probably know what I'm going to talk about. That's um, the four I letter, <laughs> <laughs> the famous four letters. That's OSGI. Um, I think the last time, uh, well, the first time I saw you uh, write about that was, um, hey, w- would we consider to do OSGI? And hey, I just did a prototype for that. Um, and uh, well, the same question again. How did you come to that idea? Like, uh, okay, the idea is okay, but then yeah, let's do a prototype <laughs> and let's maintain that. And it's now available on GitHub on your repository there. So. How so, did you come up with that, and what's the current state there? So the, this is a long story, and in fact, OSGI first came to my knowledge when we first started to implement uh, plugins. And at some point, Jorge Ferrer, uh, Ferrer from uh, from our Spanish office, the, actually, in fact, the the VP of engineering um, now from the Spanish office. Uh, mentioned in some message board threads or email threads that he wanted to use some of the metadata uh, from this OSGI framework in order to identify plugins uh, in a similar way so that we could record or, or, or identify different plugins that were being installed and managed in the portal. And that kind of intrigued me from that moment on and then over the next, that was that was several years ago now. So over the next several ye- uh, following years, um, since I, I'm I'm a senior engineer, and as a senior engineer, one of my responsibilities is to be a tier three uh, support backup. So um, often the design or the uh, often issues that end up coming across our plate are complex deployment scenarios and the limitations that uh, are introduced by our plugin architecture. And also on top of that, uh, and and I'm talking about like class loader limitations that different app servers behave differently when they're doing class loading. and, And then beyond that, our, or stemming from that is our dependency on the architecture, on the Java EE architecture of app servers and their class loader mechanisms. And, and as a portal, our, our architecture, the portal architecture being a much more complex architecture than your traditional web application, uh, 
in order to support our current plugin mechanism, we have to interface from the global class path of an app server in, in certain scenarios. Um, in definitely in servlet containers, in app servers, sometimes when you're only deploying LifeRay as a war, if you're deploying LifeRay as a near, it's less of an issue, but then you're limiting yourself to the plugin deployment to, to whatever's in your ear file because ear files are not dynamic. So to make a long story short, supporting all of these different app servers was always a major point of contention for our support team. And then if that's the case, how do we try to mitigate that or completely eliminate it if possible? And so the only way that I could imagine us eliminating that, that uh, dependency of, of the, Java, the Java EE way of, of class loading uh, in app servers or the servlet container spec or the servlet spec and taking on the responsibility of handling our own plugins. And then the first thought that comes to mind is let's build our own class loader that we, we would use inside of our application to find our plugin resources. So I think as if, if, you're an, if you're technical and you don't know much about class loaders, and you go on Google and you do a search about class loader technology, one of the first things that you're going to come up against is OSGI. OSGI yeah. Because OSGI is probably, is definitely, not even a question there, but is definitely the most mature modularity architecture for Java. And so it just evolved from there. Um, if we can utilize an existing architecture to solve the problems that we have with plugin our plugin architecture then why do we we wouldn't need to implement our own mechanism and then just the research continued from there okay so now what does OSGI give us besides that and then investigating and learning and 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 knowing that there's several different open source implementations already and and that there's uh, you know um so many other benefits that we could gain from there. Uh, so the beauty being, if we could if we could integrate a modularity layer that the portal is completely under in control of, we eliminate the dependency against the app servers. Our support team gets much happier because there's no need for us to, you know, uh, one mechanism. One mechanism. We don't care about class loading order in WebSphere or, or WebLogic or, or Glassfish or any of those app servers becomes a moot point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we could eliminate a lot of overhead. Now, on top of that, the next issue that again comes from the support side is a bug is found in the portal and we need to create a fix for it and deliver it to clients. So, uh, again, a little bit related to the class loading issues, there's different app servers who will handle that differently. So, uh, you know, there comes a time when you have naming conventions that come into play for jar files because uh, uh, the class loading order is different in different app servers, so that becomes an issue, even within your own uh, web app. And so how do you get around those those problems? How do you deliver patches and fixes to clients in such a way that uh, you avoid class load order issues? Uh, f- uh, again, inherent from the app server. And with minimal need to, say, take down the server to modify jar files and replace class files and so on. How do you, how do you reduce that need? How do you design a system where you can automate the process a little bit more of informing the, the client that there are updates, that there are bug fixes? Well, OSGI provides all of this functionality inherently, and so we don't even have to build it ourselves. We just have to build the mechanisms to interface with the OSGI framework, build some mod- some modules, some as they call them in 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 in, in uh, the OSGI tech uh, terms, uh, build some OSGI modules and 
or, or bundles, I should say, and and basically just leverage all of that functionality and and not have to maintain it. And uh, OSGI is definitely one of the most mature uh, APIs in the Java world. It's been around since 1998, and um, so I I just I think that if you pile up all of the the different issues that we have and illustrate the solution, how the solution can overcome those, I, I think it's very hard to ignore OSGI at this point. And then you add in other new things that we've done, like add in the marketplace and the ability to provision apps and the ability now... Another thing that's going to come up with the marketplace is going to be concern around uh, security, which applications, you know, are you, are, when, you impl- imp- when you bring a new application into your, your, your app server or your, your, your portal, uh, is it trustable? Is it, what can it have access to? What, 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 what does it, What's its ability to communicate with other parts of the portal? Do you want to limit its interaction? Do you want to only provision it to one part of the portal and not others? Well, how do you deal with all those situations? Again, of all of the possible solutions out there, there's only two. We build our own mechanism or we use OSGI. There are no other avenues. And so I don't see, again, why... We would try to re-implement, rewrite, you know, re- recreate the wheel, as they say, and 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 we can lever- leverage that. It'll solve so many other problems. Another and even more. So there's there's several <laughs> layers of why. You know, we continue to hear. You're making me speechless. <laughs> just this moment. <laughs> we continue to 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 have requests. Why does the portal need to be so big? You know. I'm using five of the portlets that are provided from the portal. Can I eliminate the other uh, 50 that or 55 that come with it? Is there a way to just take them out of the core? And so there is a real a need for that. There, uh, you know, if LifeRay wants to push itself into more diverse implementations, we need to elic- we need to consider the fact that some of those need to be very light, very nimble. Although the portal. LifeRay Portal is definitely the most light and most nimble portal on the market currently. There's still a vastly untapped number of different deployment scenarios that LifeRay can't be used for simply because it's too monolithic. And the solution, again, is to make it more modular. And so if we, if we were to take out all these plugins, how do we manage them now? How do we, how do we, you know, how do we, uh, what's the best architecture for, for, for dealing with that scenario? Well, again, I don't know of any other solution other than we build our own mechanism or we use OSGI. To me, it's, it's, a, it's as they say, it's a no-brainer. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be something that we're going to evolve into, say, in one generation. Uh, you know, like LifeRay 1.2 won't be completely OSGI and all the pl- and then and it, it's not going to be a version X where everything else becomes incompatible. It's it's definitely going to be an evolutionary process, and so that's what we're trying to do right now. That's where we're at right now is just the initial phase of integrating a framework. Get it started. Get it started. In in uh, um um experiment on what the what the initial phase can buy us you know as far as functionality mm-hmm. learn from it because it is a complex new paradigm that we have to learn so over several ge- generations take incrementally more advanced steps into to 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 applying it to the life ray infrastructure to the life ray core and and seeing where we get with that so um LifeRay, for instance, 6.2 would probably have an optional kind of OSGI framework uh, per se, you know, something that if you want to try it, you can use it. Um, but don't call our support if you have problems with it. It'll be, a, you know, an experimental phase. And then, but if you're wanting to participate in the 
in the re-architecture of that, then you could, you know, participate to our forums and we'll work out the kinks and work out the problems and, and go from there. It's definitely going to be an iterative process. And we definitely want to, our clients and our community be, to be involved in that. So um, that's that's where I'm going. And that's where I'm coming from. And I, I don't think I've heard an argument within the last... Uh, I, I haven't really heard of a roadmap issue that we've talked about where I can't say uh, part of that is solved by OSGI. Um, so if you if you read through even Ed Chung's roadmap for the for the six two, or if you look at what we did for six one, and then you look at our plans for the you know you look at our plans for the future, uh, virtually every every line item has some. Oh yes. OSGI can do some of this. OSGI can do some of this. So yeah. in the end, you know, it's almost defining. It's almost defining what we need to do, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't speak for the whole company, but uh, to me, I, I'm, I'm sold on it. So yeah, yeah. It was when you got started. I was just starting to learn that. Hey, okay, I know OSGI at least a bit, and I know a few aspects. And uh, were I don't know about two, three aspects that I didn't anticipate and then well you carried on and didn't stop with bringing <laughs> new aspects that I uh, kind of didn't take into account so um, yeah a strong want um, I would say uh, well that's been a blast it's been re it's been really informative um, I think um, well from my side uh, that would be um, what I would want to ask for now um, Sounds like we could easily make a several episodes uh, session out of this, but uh, well, we'll meet again and um, might continue that as well. Is there something that you would add, like something that I didn't ask you, but that is close to your heart that uh, you actually would like to add? Um, no, just thanks for uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope we can do it again soon, and um, I, I I hope to see everyone in the community um, coming to, to find me if they can. Uh, I, as you mentioned, I, I try to interface with the community as much as I can, so I, I try to make myself accessible. You don't you know. hide very well. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if you do listen to this this podcast and you have ideas to share or you, you have concerns even to share, uh, come and find me. I'm on IRC. Our IRC channel is on... Uh, uh, freenode.org and uh, the, 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 the channel name is uh, a pound followed by life ray so uh, number symbol life ray uh, as, as normal and uh, you know you can find me on my blog you can find me in the message boards uh, on my wall um, and if you happen to have my email address I'm sure that you can email me and I may not ignore you for too long uh, hopefully um, <laughs> but yeah Uh, I'm definitely interested in what everyone has to say on, on these ideas. And, uh, it's not a one-way street. Okay. So thank you very much. Thank you. And it's really a blast. And, well, hope to speak to you soon again. Thank you.